Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Celebrate. How are we? Well, I just want to tell you today, I love you. I was just thinking about this morning, how cool it's been to be a part of this church. Since, actually in June of this year, I'll have been here five years. I started an internship in June, which is a great time to start a job in South Dakota in the summer. They sucker you in, and then the winter hits you, and you're stuck because you love the people, and they're awesome. So what's been really cool for me has just been seeing the growth in, in me and in so many of you. I've been just so honored just, just to see God work in me to continue to do extraordinary things and do things through me and in me and even just in my personal life. You know, when I showed up here, I was a single guy right out of college. And, and somehow I ended up marrying the first single girl I met. <laughs> worked out for me. I'm not saying it's the best plan, but it worked out awesome for me. And now in May, we're going to have our first kid, first child, which is awesome. So I, I am just learning more and more that God wants to do extraordinary things for each and every one of us. And so I'm so excited today as we continue on this series to get to talk to you a little bit and open up God's word with you. So if you join me in a word of prayer, let's talk to our Father. God, we are just so excited to be here this morning. God, I, I know from experience, I know from reading your word, that my words, they don't bring life, but your words do. My words don't change people, but your words do. So God, I pray today it isn't my words, it's your words. That today as we open up your scripture and we hear about how you want us to live an extraordinary life, as we look at the life of Jabez and ask how we can live above average today, God, we just thank you for the fact that you do something incredible when we come to you with open hearts. So, Father, help our hearts to be open and help us to hear all the ways you want to change us today. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Well, as a, if you're a guest, we are in a series now called Extraordinary You. And we're taking a look at those people in the Bible who are just ordinary people that did something extraordinary because they believed in an extraordinary God. And so today we're going to continue to unpack this a little bit, and I'm just so incredibly honored that Pastor Keith has given me the opportunity to talk with you, because this is a subject that means a lot to me, because I've had to do this a lot in my life. And I just want to start off, as we talk about being extraordinary, how many of you want to be extraordinary in your life? That's awesome. But you know, it's interesting. I, I think the people who really resemble extra, being, wanting to be extraordinary the most is children. You ever ask a child what they want to be when they grow up? I mean, you hear the crazy things they come up with. I love to hear them. How many of you had a crazy dream when you were a kid? Just something just way out there. Anybody? I heard one the other day from one of our staff. He said, I wanted to be a, a door gunner on a space shuttle. <laughs> cool. And now that guys are head of security. So it's awesome. <laughs> For me, I wanted to be a Navy SEAL which is awesome, and I understood that, that that was a pretty hard thing to do. It took a lot of training, so I had a backup plan. My backup plan was to be an NBA player because you got to pay the bills somehow, right? <laughs> but it's interesting. If you talk to a kid 
and you say, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? No matter what they say they want to be, you never hear a child say, you know, I just kind of want to be average. You know, just kind of float through life. Just kind of get a job, nine to five, doesn't make me work more than 40 hours. I just can kind of eke by a little bit and just kind of work for the weekend. It's weird. You never hear a child say that, yet so many of us somehow end up living that way. I mean, so many people I know, it's almost like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh and a zombie had a baby. (laughs) And, And you hear them talk, and it's just depressing. It's just like, and at least this is how I hear them. It's just like, I'm going to work. I'm going home. I'm going to work. I'm going home. It's the weekend. And then we're back to, I'm going to work. (laughs) Over and over again, it's a monotonous, mundane mess over and over again. But the thing is, I don't think God purposed and planned us to live this way. I think God has a purpose and a plan for us to live above average. To have a life that isn't just living for the next holiday or living for the next big break but that we actually enjoy each and every day and get to do something incredible and extraordinary in our everyday life. So today, if you have your Bibles, would you open them up with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 4? I want to open this up because there's something really cool in this chapter. And if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to get you one. Make sure you stop by guest services as you leave today or or get the app as well. But There's just something incredible about having a physical copy of God's Word. And so we're going to take a look today. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, there's something really, really interesting. There's a whole big list of names. That's not necessarily the interesting part, unless you're someone who's really into genealogies. It's cool to see how God's Word is so structured and how much detail is in there. But other than that, I start to nod off a little bit. But then all of a sudden, something interesting happens. There's like a spotlight that kind of gets shown in on one person. Like this one guy just stands out in a crowd, kind of like a redwood tree in a forest full of bonsais, or me when I tried to go in the McDonald's playscape and play it <laughs> last week. But it just kind of stands out. There's just something different, something unique here. And so all of a sudden, you're going through these names, and suddenly it says, if you go with me in, in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. God, for us today, we want to pray this. God, Bless us. Expand our territory. God, be with us right here in this place right now. And Father, protect us. Protect us from things physically, but anything spiritually that would stop us from from truly crying out to you and praying this prayer each and every day in our life. Amen. You know, as we look at this prayer, I think there's three things that really stand out to me that really are great ways that we can live above average. And the first one is this one. Jabez had a legitimate want. He had something he wanted so much he was willing to cry out to God. This isn't a want like, what do I want for lunch tomorrow? This isn't a want just of of something I'm going to do next week. This is a life want. So I ask today, what's your want for your life? 
What do you truly want when you look at your life and, and the impact that it has and the things that you do? What is that thing that you desperately, desperately want? Because the reality is that you're chasing it. You may not know it, but one way or another, we're moving towards the thing that we really, really want for our life. You can see it in the way that you're moving, but you can also see it in, in another way. You can see it in what you say yes to and what you say no to. How many of you, I'm not saying this has ever happened in my house, I'm just talking about other people, but how many of you have ever had a moment with your spouse where they know what they want to eat, but they don't know what they, that they know what they want to eat? So what they has to happen is, you've got to shoot out a bunch of stuff, right? And they just got to go, <laughs> and cut them down until finally you narrow it down to what they want. Anybody ever been there? I'm not saying I've ever been there. I'm just talking about other people. Anybody? Two of you? That's awesome. Listen, the reality is we all have something we want. We may just not know it. And that's a big question for us as we look at our life. What is it that we want? Jabez knew what he wanted. He was willing to cry out to God and say, God, I, I want you to do something in my life. I want you to do something for my life. I want you to expand my territory. And, and looking at our territory, sometimes for us, our territory isn't just a piece of land or, or a job or something. Sometimes our territory is the fact that our, we look right here. Our territory is right in front of us, what our eyes can see. But God wants to expand our territory to see beyond what we see and see what he sees and sees the thing in front of us the way that he sees it. I love this fact that Jabez prays this, and sometimes people, when they look at Jabez, they, they read this prayer kind of like a selfish prayer. But the reality is this isn't a selfish, self-centered prayer. This is a spiritual desire. This isn't, God, give me the new BMW, or God, give me a million dollars just so I can have it for me. It's really interesting. There, there, there's a key thing to look at here. If you look back at the scripture, it says that Jabez was honorable. Well, what does honorable mean when we look in the context of Scripture? See, if God calls us honorable, it means that we're someone that God can honor because we honor Him. See, here's a key reality to remember as we look at this today. When we honor God more than we honor our goals, our goals are going to honor God. When we honor God more than we honor our job, our job's going to honor God. When we honor God more than we honor our finances, our finances are going to honor God. So when God pours out blessings on us, it, it's a no-brainer. You're going to do incredible things with it, and people are going to be impacted. Or when we honor God more than we honor our marriage or we honor anything in our life, God gets honored in it. So that's a key that I've learned as we look at this today, is that it, it, it's, it's important to remember this isn't something that we just come to out of our own desires. This comes to out of, a, out of a desire to honor God. And so with that then, with that lens in mind, we look here at Jabez as he's asking God to just expand his vision, to, to deepen his dream and, and, and really, in a sense, enlarge his ambition. And, and the reality is there's places all throughout the Bible that talk about this. I mean, God says, I can do greater things than you can ever imagine. He says, ask the Lord of the harvest. He says, no eye has seen nor ear has heard what the Lord is prepared to do through those who are in Christ Jesus. See, the reality is we're not created to just drift through life. We're not created to just go through with no goals and no dreams. The thing is, in every single area of your life, when you stop dreaming, you start dying. When you stop dreaming about how to have a better relationship with Jesus, how to have a better marriage, how to do better with your kids, 
you start dying. It, it starts the, the downward spiral. I want you to write this down. No goals equals no growth. See, as long as your horizon is expanding, you're healthy in Jesus. As long as you're continuing to take new ground and have new dreams and new goals, you're continuing to have a healthy relationship with Jesus. But the thing is, when it comes to having great ambitions in life, sometimes I think we get some some things, some misconceptions that really take away from our ability to have great ambitions. And the first one is this. We tend to confuse humility with fear. See, humility says, I can do all things with God's help. Fear says, I, I can't do that. Who, me? You, you want me to do, do what? See, I've discovered that God would rather humble us than motivate us. And I, I take that from Scripture because I see these moments where God clearly says he talks against pride and he talks against laziness, but yet God never talks about motivating the lazy, but he talks about humbling the proud. So I think that God would rather work with someone who has some momentum. It just seems over and over you see these moments of people who are at least moving and running and God kind of steers them and goes, okay, goofball, we're going this way. But yet it seems like God would rather work with someone who's already running than someone he has to drag out of bed. But second, the second thing we do is I think we tend to, con- to confuse our contentment with laziness. People talk about contentment a lot. And the first thing that always seems to come up is the Apostle Paul, who said, I've learned to be content in all circumstances. But yet the reality is that Paul, when he was content, he was content despite whatever happened in his life, but he had amazing dreams and goals. Go read some of the things that he wanted to do. And there were even things he wanted to do that God said, that's a great idea, but no, you're not going over there. Because Paul was always wanting to do something. Even when he was in prison, go read the letters he wrote when he was in prison. He's like, hey, I hope I get to see you again. God's like, no, you're, you're coming to see me, man. But he's just like, let's go. The next one, the next one, the next one. But he just knew that no matter what, whether his goals came to fruition or not, no matter whatever had come at him, no matter how much something may suck, he was content. That's the difference. Paul had amazing and incredible goals. He had dreams. He had times that he was truly asking God to expand his territory. But the third thing I think we do sometimes is we, can, we tend to confuse our little thinking with spirituality. We think that, that spirituality is just saying, you know, I'm just going to serve God in my little old way. You know, I've always done it this way. I've always come to church like this, and I've always, you know, kind of done a little bit over here, and I've always given this much, and I've always helped people, you know, j- just this little bit, and that, that just kind of works for me, and I, I think it works for God. You know, sometimes I think God just wants to throw up, because there's nothing worse than someone that Satan doesn't have to play defense on. Satan loves it when we don't even get off the bench. We're so stuck right there where we're at, content just kind of being the water boy when God wants us to be the center. God wants us to be out there, wants us to be out there on the court, and yet we end up playing small ball. You know, I, I have a little uh, uh, ball and hoop in my, in my office, and it's a lot of fun because, you know, it's like this big, right? And it's like right here on me because I'm like really tall, and I got this little Nerf ball, and it's awesome. It makes me feel like I'm Shaquille O'Neal. I'm just... <laughs> but the reality is, if I would try to go play in the Final Four with that mindset and, and look out there, the hoop's a little bigger, the ball gets a little bigger, and the competition gets a little fiercer, 
But yet, so if I just want to spend the rest of my life in my office thinking I'm awesome, we can do that. It's really easy to do that, actually. We, we kind of tend to do that. Sometimes in our Christianity, our spirituality, our whole life is wrapped around this idea that, that we're looking at the little hoop and the little Nerf ball, but God wants us to trade it in for the big boy and go out there and play the real game because he has something incredible that he wants to do in our life. See, great men and women are simply ordinary people with great ideas and great dreams that they take to God, and then finally they do something about it. So today, as we look at what we want, we're going to step out and take a look next at what it looks like to truly do something about those wants. But before we do that, I want to pray for us again. I'm just going to continue praying this throughout our day. God, would you just pray this with me? Father, would you just continue to expand our vision? Would you continue to bless us today? Would you just continue to show us that your presence is right here for those of us who aren't seeing it? Would you be with us in this place? And finally, God, would you protect us, Father? Thank you so much, Lord. So Jabez had a sincere one, and second, Jabez stepped out and he did. He did something about it. See, he had a sincere faith. It's interesting to look at Jabez's life because in these two verses, there's no mention of his extraordinary talents. There's no mention of something that just made him incredibly awesome. If you flip over the back of his baseball card, it might very well be blank. There's not much there. But yet, Jabez was a common man who had an uncommon faith. See, the, the thing is, I know a lot of super talented people who just sit on the sidelines and do nothing, but the reality is this church has reached thousands of people for Christ and will continue to do so, not because of super talented people, but because of ordinary people who are willing to step out and let God do something incredible in them and through them. Amen. See, it takes common people who just say, hey, you know what, maybe I'll lead a life group. Not even knowing the lives that are going to be changed. The, the common people who say, you know what, maybe this year I'm actually going to invite someone to Easter. I'm going to take an invite card with me and I'm going to step out and I'm going to tell them, hey, it's time for you to come with me. Or maybe it's the, uh, it's the common people who step out and say, hey, I'm going to mentor a kid at Terry Redland. Having no idea what life and what impact is going to be changed just by playing sports with a kid and talking to him about life. It takes common people who are willing to step out and do the uncommon. And that's when God shows up and does something absolutely incredible. See, when we get faith, we don't have to worry about what we don't have because we already have everything in Jesus. But yet some people talk to me and they say, you know, you just don't understand. I got these things that have happened in my past and I just... I've had a lot of stuff that's come at me, and, and, and I just don't feel like I'm good enough, and God can't possibly use me, and, and you, just, you just don't know my life. And I just want to go back to Jabez for a moment. Let's take a look at his name. When I read it, I heard a couple of people chuckle because it's kind of funny. It says, his mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Talk about holding a grudge. So <laughs> Jabez's name's a little weird because it means pain, but yet... I don't know, as I look at his name, I kind of think about the fact that, I mean, I start to judge names in the Bible sometimes, and then I remember that I'm part of the millennial generation, and I think we have some of the weirdest names out there. Like, we just love our, our hipster names. We like to kind of make things a little different and weird, like some of the ones I've heard, you know, like uh, you got River, all the different nature names. You've got Solaris. I like that one, or Calcifer. 
That's a, that's a great one. But what's even funnier is, is the fact that nowadays the, the really popular thing is to spell like normal names in kind of an un, kind of a odd way, right? Kind of takes things and kind of put a little spin on them, right? Have you guys seen that where you take like, uh, like Cameron and spell it with a K and a Y or Tiffany spelled T-I-P-H-A-N-I-E-E or this one's my absolute favorite, Ladasha spelled L-E hyphen A. La dash uh. <laughs> so in honor of that, my wife have, have decided just to out hipster all the hipsters. Uh, we're going to name our son Timothy John Valentine the third. We're already planning on that, but we're we're going to spell his name exclusively in ancient Egyptian hieroglyphs. So <laughs> that's going to be fun. But the thing is, why do I say that? Well, the thing is. If you're someone who, who has a unique spelling of your name, my wife has a very unique spelling of her name, and what, what you tend to find out is it doesn't really affect your life that much. I mean, you hear kids with these crazy names, and you think, oh, why would a parent do that? But the reality is it's not going to affect their life that much. There's two things that will happen. One, no one will know how to spell their name just fine. And two, those little uh, name plates or uh, little keychains you get at the tourist spots, they're never going to find their name. So those are the two main things, but outside of that, there's not a lot that's going to happen. But see, back in the ancient Hebrew day, names were a big deal. Names were a really, really big deal. And so as he was walking through his life, whatever the reason was that his mother named him this, it may have just been the childbirth, but it also may have been some, some disabilities or handicaps that caused her this pain that when she saw him, she goes, oh, that was just so much pain, so she named him that. We don't know exactly what, but whatever it was, every time someone said his name, it was a reminder of the fact that he had this label on him. He was painful. Every time someone said the word painful, it made his head turn around, only to realize they weren't even talking about him. It's just another reminder. Yeah, I'm, I'm painful. I'm a pain. But yet, Jabez didn't let that stop him. He didn't let that label be bigger than his God. But I ask you today, what's your label? What's that thing that's been slapped on you, maybe since birth? Maybe that you're addicted. Maybe that you're stupid. Maybe that you're not good enough. Maybe that you're divorced. Maybe that you're a cheater. Maybe that, that whatever that mistake is, whatever that thing is, maybe someone put on you and you've had this label kind of hanging over you your entire life. Maybe it's just been in the last couple of years. You know what I find interesting, though, is that when I let a label define what I do in my life, when I let a label create what I, my steps and, 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 and truly control my life, something interesting happens. The label becomes my God. See, when I let the label define me, when I let the label decide whether or not I'm worthy of love, God doesn't get to decide whether or not I'm worthy of love because I'm already listening to the label. I let the label decide where I'm going to go and what I'm going to be. God wants to decide who, what I know and what I'm going to be. When I let the label guide my path, God can't guide my path. So today, can I ask the question, can you let the label Go away and let God be bigger. Is your faith bigger than your label? Because if it is, my God takes a big Sharpie and crosses out that label and writes, you're a child of me. It doesn't matter what the label says. You rip the label off and it's made new in Jesus Christ. So as we 
continue to seek God today, and we look at the labels, we look at the faith that we have, and whether or not we have a sincere faith like Jabez, I want to ask this question as well. Do you know what the biggest sign of faith is? There's a lot of things people may throw out, but for me, I found in my life, as I've been praying this prayer and reading through this scripture, I find that the biggest sign of faith is preparation. Preparation says, God, I know you're going to do something. I know something's going to happen, so I'm going to prepare myself. God, I'm praying that you, that you do something with me through ministry. I'm praying that you help me to minister to my friends or change my life or change the world around me. So I'm going to do something now in preparation for that. I'm going to read my Bible today like my life depends on it because if you really answer my prayers, it is. I'm going to love my family like it depends on it because if you put me in the position that I'm asking you for, it's going to. Some of us, we have this moment where you know, we, we may come to God and we say, well, God, God, will you bless my business? Bless my finances. Pour out the, the, the floodgates of heaven and, man, I make me rich beyond my wildest dreams. And yet we have this moment almost like we bargain with God. Like, God, if you give me this, well, I'll start, you know, I'll start coming to church and, and I'll start giving to you and I'll, I'll be there for my family and I'll spend time with you each day. And it's almost like, God, I wonder if God sometimes says, you're, you're not doing that now. Why would you do that if you had all the money in the world? Yet so many of us kind of think that way. So as we continue to seek and, and to have faith and we seek to truly look like God today, are you preparing are you letting God be bigger than your labels? And, and finally, are you praying? Are you praying today? And are, would you just join me again? Father, once again, we're just going to keep asking you this all throughout today. God, bless us. Expand our territory. Be with us today and protect us, Father. God, help us to pray this each and every day, not just today. Thank you, Lord. So Jabez, he sat down and he prayed. Because he had a genuine prayer life. It wasn't something casual. It wasn't something optional. It wasn't something that he just did occasionally. It was something that truly came from his heart. That's why God answered his prayer. And I love what he prays for. He says he prays first for God's power. I mean, if you think about it, everything that he asked for was impossible in and of himself. Everything that he asked for was something that, that couldn't actually come from his own strength because we're impossible of doing anything good in our own strength or at least anything lasting. You know what I find is really interesting? I think the biggest sign of arrogance, it isn't someone running their mouth and talking. It isn't somebody uh, doing something, you know, some grandiose gesture or something. I think the biggest sign of arrogance is a lack of prayer. Because the moment that we stop praying for God's power is the moment that we say, God, I got this on my own. God, I can do this by myself. I don't need you. So if we're really in, in a place where God's going to use us, if we're really in a place where we're seeking to do something extraordinary for him, God's power is something that is not optional. I have to have it. So as we continue on, a takeaway for me is to, to look at Ephesians 3.20. I love what it says. He says, I'm able to do far more than we could ever think or imagine. I also love what Zechariah 4, 6 says, not by strength or by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
There's over 20 times in the New Testament that we're commanded by Scripture to ask God for things. We have a God that when we come before him, it's like a pitcher with him at the mound, and we have a wiffle ball. He's just like, bring it on. I'm going to smack this thing so hard out of the ballpark because when God's power shows up, something incredible happens. But second thing that he prays for is God's presence. His presence. He says, God, let your hand be with me. Because the more blessed we are, the more we realize that once a week isn't going to cut it for having God's presence. We need it every day, every minute, every second. The larger the territory is that God is giving us, the more enemies are going to come at us. The more things are going to hassle us. With growth comes additional pressures. And then third, he prays for God's protection. Because he realizes that in and of himself, he has nothing. In and of himself, he can't protect these things that God's giving him. It's only in him, in Jesus, that he can truly have protection. And as I look at this in my life, as I look at what it means to pray for God's power, to pray for God's presence, to pray for God's protection, this has gotten really real for me. Because as I talked to you about earlier, we're having a child in May. Really excited. I, I, I'm just so incredibly thrilled that I get to be a dad but there, there's a part of me that's a little scared. I mean, there's a couple of factors in that. One, just the fact that sometimes I'm lucky to actually wear pants on a day, and now I have a child I'm going to have to take care of. That, that's kind of scary. But there's another factor to that, too. Some of you may know back in August, my dad passed away. My dad was a huge example to me. He was an example to me of what it was like to pray the prayer of Jabez. He was an example to me about what it looked like to be the kind of dad who seeks God first. And now the one person that I would love to call and ask questions to and talk to and celebrate with, I don't get to do that. So that just continues to remind me of those moments where I desperately want to pick up the phone and say, hey, dad, guess what? It's a boy. Hey, dad, how do I do this? All that stuff. I just am reminded that I need to go to my Heavenly Father first. I'm just reminded that I can't do this on my own, that I need God's power over everything. I'm reminded that I need God's presence constantly with me because I'm going to mess it up on my own. I, I, I'm constantly reminded of the fact that I need God's protection because accidents like what happened in August to my dad just remind me, life's fleeting and I can't always do anything about it. It's all in his hands. So I... I am just reminded over and over again of this. And so today, for each and every one of us, I just want to ask the question, do you have a want in your life? Has God given you a desire, a dream, something to step forward in and say, God, I, I want this? Because the reality is sometimes what we have in front of us is the direct product of what we want, what we ask God for. Because some of us have been thinking so small, it's time to stop playing a small ball, trading the Nerf ball for a real one. Maybe for you, it's, it's just having the faith. You want things, but the faith doesn't match up. The faith in your daily life, not just the faith you speak, but the faith you walk. But third, maybe it's just your prayer life. You need to spend more time talking to God, praying to God, spending time with him. I, I don't know what that looks like, but you know, there's something interesting. When we truly let God be God in our life, when we truly come before him, and we truly pray, God, expand my territory, God bless me. God, do something in me, through me, expand my vision beyond what I could possibly dream or imagine. Something really interesting starts to happen. It happened for me. I thought 
when I graduated college, I was going to use the degree I was getting, which was a marketing degree. I was wrong. I stepped out, and, and all of a sudden, I end up being in ministry. God says, hey, you're going this direction. And he's done so many incredible things in my life that I couldn't even possibly imagine. Because when you're open to God, suddenly something happens, and it stops being about you. It starts being about other people, and your life has an impact beyond what you could possibly imagine. And so I've seen this story happen over and over again in people's lives. And there's a person who I've seen in named Karen, who I love. She's awesome. And we took a little time to capture her story. I'd love it if you check this out. I'm Karen Reinsbach. I grew up on a farm in Northwest Iowa. I'm the third youngest of a family of 11. After high school, I got married. We had three children. I was married 32 years. We were living the good life, and um, then it ended in divorce, and that was when I came here to Sioux Falls. When you go through a divorce, you are at the probably the lowest point in your life. I know it was the lowest point in my life. I had to restart my life. Through the Divorce Care website, I found the Divorce Care program here at Celebrate. Then, of course, um, the people through the Divorce Care program, we sat together as a family. And that was huge because sitting in church by yourself is, it's no fun. They uh, started me on the path to putting God at the center of my life. And um, that was where the healing began. As I kept coming to celebrate and just um, reading the Bible and um, just letting God into my life, what I um, realized was I thought I was living a, a good life. I was a good person, um, you know, went to church, and, you know, I guess I kind of just checked it off the list. But after accepting Jesus into my life and digging deeper into his life, what I realized was um, I had a religion in my old church, and now I have a relationship with Jesus. It was time for me to start stepping out of my box, stepping through my fear. I started to mentor, and I now have uh, two little girls I mentor at two different schools. It's very rewarding. As I see these little girls growing. I've been with one of um, my mentees for three and a half years now. When I first started mentoring her, um, she was very quiet and she had told me she would be moving to a different school. And so when the next school year came around, um, I really didn't feel like I made a difference in her life. But um, I finally found the school she was at. The guidance counselor got in contact with me. We walked in the school that day into the lunchroom and the guidance counselor tapped her on the shoulder and said, I have somebody here that wants to see you. And when she turned around, she had the biggest smile on her face and she's like, you did find me. And it's like, okay, that I am making a difference. It just, I, it's something I never thought I would do. But um, yeah, it's just helped me grow a lot. 
Serving has helped me by, you know, bringing me out of my shell. The group of people that I serve with are awesome and we just, there's so much joy and we just have so much fun greeting everybody that comes in the door. When you get Jesus, it changes your life. Where I was before, I was trying to pretend to be somebody I wasn't. With my friends that I have developed in Celebrate and Divorce Care, I can be myself. They love me for who I am. Personally, myself, I didn't feel like I have a lot to offer. I'm, I'm an ordinary person. What I realize now is that my purpose is living for Jesus and using my work in the salon as a ministry to help people. And um, I have a lot of clients, you know, that will bring up that they're in the middle of a divorce or, um, you know, just different things. And, and I can use my work to help them and lead them to God. I don't know if Karen actually realizes the impact that she has. I mean, she, I've just talked to so many people who have stuck around this church because she loved them, because she walked with them, and they've, they've come back, and they've come back, and they've come back. And it, it's really interesting, the cycle there. You see it over and over in people. God takes brokenness. We come to him, and he has healing. But then suddenly, we don't just stay there. When we're truly following him, suddenly he calls us back to someone else's brokenness, and then we get to bring them to healing. And it's just a cycle that happens over and over and over again. And so today, as you're praying this prayer, as you're asking God, what do you want from me? How do, you, how do you want to expand my territory? How do you want to bless me? What are my dreams? What are my goals? Or what should they be? Maybe today's the day where we take a step out. And stop having our Christianity and our faith be something that we just come to God and say, God, bless me for me. But suddenly we turn to God and we say, God, bless me so I can be a blessing to other people. God, maybe it's time for me to stop seeing Christianity as being about me, but about being other people, whether or not they're going to heaven. And stop worrying about whether or not I'm going to heaven. And stop seeking to, to find lost people out there, to see brokenness all around me. And step out and say, God, use me. Use me. Because when we pray that, something incredible happens and lives get changed. Churches like Celebrate happen. Churches like this all over the country with people who are willing to step out. So before we leave today, we're going to spend some time just worshiping our good, good Father. We're going to have the altars open because maybe it's time for you to come before God and lay something down. Or maybe it's just time for this to be the start of something. Maybe this is the time where we talk about, God, I, I just need to start right now. Maybe you're someone out here today that maybe your vision needs to be expanded to just have God be Lord of your life, Lord of every single area of your life. Whatever it is, I encourage you to come forward today. I encourage you to talk to our prayer team before you leave. But also, I just want to encourage you with this. There's people out there who need to know Jesus who need to, to be touched by him. And I'll tell you the time to do it. We've been saying it over and over again, not just because we like repeating ourselves, but because it's so true. People will come on Easter. Take an Easter invite as you leave before, after we sing. So I'm going to pray and the team's going to come up. Father, I am just so thankful for you. I'm thankful for what you're doing in this place. I'm thankful for the fact that 
when we truly come before you and we truly pray and ask you, God, to bless us, when we ask you to expand our territory, when, you, when we ask you to be with us all the time, keep your presence and your hand on us, and when we ask you for your protection, God, you hear us, you hear our cry, and you do something incredible beyond what we could possibly imagine. So, Father, we take our lives and we turn them over to you. You are the great craftsman, and you're going to do something amazing, God. And with all this in mind, we just continue to worship you right now.